0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Catholic Connect podcast. It is episode number 100. So glad that you tracked us down, and I hope you're having a blessed day wherever you may be in the universal church. Well, we've got the amazing Jesse Romero, one of the premier evangelists of the Catholic Church, a very special guest on this special episode number 100. And let's turn to scripture to start off the podcast with a great verse from St. Paul's letter to the Romans and a timely one. He says, let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, never flag in zeal, be aglow with the Spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in your hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer the powerful words from St. Paul in his letter to the Romans. And those marching orders are just as applicable now and just as relevant now as they ever have been. And now is the time to keep having that zeal in our hearts, that love for the gospel, the love for the truth, so that we can live in a state of grace going to confession, often receiving the Eucharist worthily, and ultimately to live in the world but not be of the world so we've hit a real significant milestone in this history of the catholic connect podcast and i'm so glad that you tracked us down whether you're a new listener or not i'm so happy that you're here with us and the calling card of our podcast is indeed to live in the world but not be of the world and to transform this world with the love of jesus christ through the sacraments that are provided to us and gifted to us by grace in the catholic church it is an amazing time to be alive a historical time to be alive. And I'm so glad that you're with us for this podcast and for this journey on to heaven. Well, you may have heard what St. Augustine said about the truth. He said, The truth is like a lion. You don't have to defend it, you just let it loose and let it defend itself. Well, we know that Jesus Christ is the truth personified. And Jesse Romero is the premier lay Catholic evangelist today in North America that is presenting the truth with charity with clarity, and with a firmness and boldness that we need today. He's a great example of that. And he will be sharing some insights on spiritual warfare and great tips on evangelization. Boy, do we ever need that. So it's time for me to get out of the way and let Mr. Jesse Romero on through. We'll see you on the other side of the interview, my friends. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Well, my friends, this is a gentleman that hardly needs an introduction, but I'm going to piece one together anyway. He is a Catholic evangelist, author, radio show host, and back in the day, he was a three-time World Police Olympics boxing champion, a former U.S. middleweight kickboxing champion, and a retired veteran from the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. He holds a master's degree in Catholic theology from Franciscan University of Steubenville, and his mission is to spend his time teaching, speaking, writing and giving Catholic Bible studies, conferences, missions, and retreats on all matters relating to the Catholic faith and encouraging others to love Jesus Christ and to live life in a state of sacramental grace at all times. What an honor to welcome our brother in Christ, Jesse Romero, to the Catholic Canuck podcast. Thanks for inviting me, Dave. Good to be here. Thanks, Jesse. You know, I was first introduced to your ministry when you spoke at a men's conference in Edmonton about 20 years ago. So have you been back since or no?
1: I've been to Canada maybe I've probably been to Canada. I think about three or four times, but it's been it's been a while. I haven't been in there under Trudeau. He'd probably have me arrested, so I choose not to go under him.
0: It's overdue. We'll have to we'll have to parachute you in somehow, Jesse. We'll get you in somewhere. There, there's it's a long border, and still it's uh, it's unprotected. So maybe we can sneak you across the border. They let other people across the border pretty easily here too. So <laughs> <laughs> we'd love to have you again. So, but. Um, I just want to say thank you, first off, for, uh, for your ministry. You've been in this uh, this game, uh, the spiritual game. The only one that really matters is eternal life, right, Jesse, for a long time. And at a time where we have plenty of bad examples in the church, I want to thank you for being one of the good examples. And thank you for being really a mentor to me over these years because I've been following you ever since I met you. those 20 years ago. Now, Scripture makes many references to the crown of glory in our pursuit of heaven and this journey on, on, on earth towards heaven. And I like to say that elite athletes can be elite Catholics because it takes a lot of discipline and structure. You need to be an elite athlete. And uh, that can be transferred to being a a disciple of Jesus Christ with discipline and structure. And that's what you need to be an authentic follower of Christ. So I got to ask you, Jesse, because we live in a world of participation uh, ribbons and medals. But uh, when you were kickboxing, I'm guessing you weren't competing for participation, Ribbon, were you, Jesse? You were going for the belt.
1: Yeah, you you either win or you lose. You either, you either walk out of the ring with your hands up and a belt around your waist or you get knocked out. And so the stakes were high. Uh, I, I, one of the things that drew me to my Catholic faith more and more as a young man was the fact there's all kinds of masculine, military, and sports language that's used in both the Old and New Testament. And so, to me, I was I was able to see quite clearly that uh, it, it's 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 a playbook for men. It really is. Uh, the Holy Bible is a playbook for men. I uh, and I was drawn to the, to to uh, just the way God God's Word communicates so straightforward to men as to what we're supposed to do. So, to me, the most manly thing that somebody can do is follow Jesus Christ. There's nothing absolutely more masculine that a person can do, a Catholic that his life to Jesus Christ.
0: Mm, beautiful. And that structure and discipline, I mean, it's, it's great to, well, it's so important when you're becoming a world champion at anything, but we really do need to have structure and discipline in our spiritual lives too. Don't we, Jesse? And that's, that's a daily thing that we need to focus on.
1: That's one of the big reasons why people become, for example, diabolically afflicted all the way mm. up to Possession. You'll find people that ha- have some type of diabolical affliction, oppression, obsession, all the way up to possession. One of the things that they all have in common, generally speaking, is number one, they don't know their faith. Number two, they live disordered lives. And so, and, and so one of the things that, again, uh, for a person who is diabolically afflicted at some level the person has to reorder their life they have to reorder their intellect uh based on the word of god based on the catholic faith and they have to reorder their will their 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 uh the, the their behavior uh back to virtue if a person doesn't do that that person will be Basically, easy targets for the devil. Easy targets for the diabolical.
0: And that's an interesting point you make, Jesse. Because a lot of people are looking for uh, deliverance. They're going to do a prayer meeting or some sort of a an event, maybe an evening where um, you know sometimes a lot of you know lay people will even lay their hands or pray over people um, and and you know think that they're doing something good spiritually for that person. And maybe in some ways there is some spiritual benefit, but when it comes to uh, seeking healing, whether that's physical or spiritual, we need to be in a state of grace before we can even get into those situations. Maybe explain that to uh, to some of our listeners: is that uh, you know there there is a hierarchy and structure in the church too when it comes to to praying over people and certain authority that certain people have over others in the church, right?
1: Absolutely, and that this is probably one of the most misunderstood misunderstood things in the in the modern Catholic Church today. Is uh, a lot of Catholics have have been um, influenced by Protestant Pentecostalism. And so a lot of Catholics think like um, you know they've had some experience of Christ and it's usually females to be honest with you. They've had some experience of Christ and all of a sudden they set up some type of deliverance ministry, some deliverance team and uh, and they're laying hands on people and 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 praying like a Catholic priest, Imprecatory prayers, uh, con upon you know, con upon people or driving out demons from people and, uh, you know, using the imprecatory form, which is only allowed according to the Catholic Church. This is only allowed by, uh, by the Catholic priesthood. Now, it doesn't mean that we as Catholics can't pray for each other, but there's a way to pray and a, pra- and a way not to pray. And uh, one of one of the things that we as Catholics are called to do is follow the lanes of authority. For example, as a Catholic, I can tell you that there's nowhere in the Bible, not one passage in the Bible, that shows a lay Catholic praying over a, lay, another lay Catholic by the laying on of hands and driving out a demon. It's not there. And so, but, but these are the practices of a lot of lay Catholics today. Probably through no fault of their own. It's just a bad catechesis right now, just horrible catechesis in many places. But uh as as a result of that, so many Catholics uh are end up are end up doing things that cause diabolic retaliation. And what I mean by that, diabolic retaliation occurs when you as a Catholic are stepping out of your lane of authority and doing things that uh that you shouldn't be doing. And I'll tell you, for example, were the Catholic regulated this whole laying on of your right hand over another Catholic over their head and driving out a demon by the imprecatory form. That used to be done by late Catholics in the early church. There, there, you can read that in the writings of, of some of the early church historians. But the Catholic Church at the Council of Carthage, 397 A.D., Canon 7, the Catholic Church took the practice of laying on of hands and driving out demons. They took that from the lay people, the lay faithful, and put it under holy orders. And they regulated that practice under Catholic priests who are celibate and chaste. Now, most people don't know that because they have, you know, they just, uh, again, uh, it hasn't been taught to them. And I'll tell you why Why it's... it's uh, the Catholic Church in her infinite in, in her infinite wisdom moved up, took basically that authority to uh, driving out demons in the imprecatory form and put it under holy orders because it's just like today. A lot of Catholic priests, even exorcists, when they start praying over a possessed woman by themselves, I won't mention any names, I know several Catholic priests that were very holy men that fell into... Fell into uh, uh, a, a sexual affair or they got sexually compromised by praying over a possessed female by themselves. And they're very young and beautiful and attractive. And the priest started touching them in property. This is one of the reasons why the church took holy, uh, this, this ministry away from lay people at 397 AD and put it under priests who are celibate and chaste and have a very strict, uh, prayer protocol throughout the day. It's because lay people, they don't have the grace of holy orders to be uh, driving out demons from a 22-year-old w- w- female that's drop-dead gorgeous without you starting to lust lust for her. So that's one of the reasons why God, why the church in her infinite wisdom took this office away from lay people and move it, moved it over to the priest. Also, lay people were also selling the office. It's called the sin of simony. You know, basically saying, hey, uh, I got the gift of driving out demons. I got the gift of exorcism. Why don't you come over to my house and, uh, you know, give me $1,000. I'm just I'm just throwing out a number out there. Give me some money. I'll, I'll drive out the demon from your 15-year-old kid. So lay people were falling into the sin of simony, and they were falling into sexual, sexually compromised relationships with the possessed people. This is why the church in her infinite wisdom took it away from lay people and put it under the Catholic priesthood, under holy orders, in 397
0: ad fantastic that that is so good and so important too, jesse thanks for for uh telling us that for sure teaching us that i I do want to there's a there's a ministry i I won't mention the name because i think there's really well-meaning people that are trying to help uh fellow catholics out and even even non-catholics are invited to it jesse you probably know what i'm talking about yeah i know um when i when i say it so but the um when there's a ministry that invites people to come to to church, and sometimes there's even, you know, there's priests that are present, when they pray over people asking for a physical healing of some sort, you know, a back ailment, a foot ailment, uh, you know, headaches, wh- whatever. I mean, some of these are, I don't mean to make light of them because some people do have some serious physical ailments. Is that something that lay people can still do? Can But is, is that kind of where the line is drawn as, as soon as you get into the 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 spiritual part of that, where we talk about you know, casting out demons by lay people. Can people still put their hands over, lay their hands over someone, uh, if it's like a, a physical ailment of some sort?
1: Okay, um, the issue of laying laying your hands over somebody else. It's a patriarchal position. In the mm-hmm. Bible, the only people that lay hands on somebody else, in the Old and New Testament, are spiritual patriarchs. Number one. You'll never find a female doing this in the Old and New Testament. It's not a, this is not a position for a woman. And a lot of Catholic deliverance ministries, you see, there seems to be women that are leading the whole thing. And Mm -hmm. what they're doing, well-intentioned, is something that's outside of the bounds of Scripture. This is not something that uh, is taught by God's Word. Laying your hands on somebody's head in the Bible is a patriarchal posture, and I'll give you an example. You can look at Scott Hahn, very famous of, uh, very famous biblical scholar. Mm-hmm. He's got a book. It's called. It's in my. It's in my shelf right behind me. Uh, it's called uh, Catholic Bi- uh, C- uh, Bible Dictionary by Doctor Scott Hahn and his team of about thirty uh, uh, Catholic scholars. If you look under laying on of hands on Doctor Scott Hahn's Bible, it says right there. It says. The laying on of hands in the Old and New Testament is a position only for a spiritual patriarch. Uh, Or or the father of the house. The father Mm. of the house. So there's two people in the Bible that you see putting their right hand over somebody and praying over them. The father of the house or spiritual patriarchs in the Old and New Testament. Mm. Mm -hmm. You can also see what I just told you. You can also t- look at newadvent.org. That's the Catholic Encyclopedia Online. It's, an, it's the 1917 before modernism. The 1917 Catholic Encyclopedia Online, newadvent.org. Just just type in laying on or imposition in, in of hands, and you'll find what I'm saying is actually absolutely true. That laying on of hands is a priestly action, either from a spiritual patriarch that's got uh, holy orders from God or from the church, or you'll find Israelite fathers laying their hands on their sons. So again, it's relegated for priests or fathers of a family. And and this custom from scripture, it also carries into tradition. And, all, and, and so it's also the practice of the Catholic church. You'll, you'll also find what I'm saying. There's another famous Protestant Bible it's called Unger's Bible dictionary it says the same thing the laying on of hands is a patriarchal position father to son or spiritual patriarch over the people uh I, one night uh one night it's it's interesting it, it took me about 3 weeks cuz I, I i wanted to see for myself and so what i did i took strongs exhaustive concordance of the bible it's about 2 inches thick and i went And I plowed through every verse that talked about the laying on of hands. Took me about three weeks. Mm -hmm. I discovered that there's not one verse that gives or shows lay people laying their right hands over other lay people and driving out demons. So there's no practice or no basis in sacred scripture. In sacred scripture, you will find fathers blessing their sons by praying over them and laying their hands on them. But outside of the family structure, you find no practice like that in Scripture.
0: And of course the Old Testament, we know the story of Esau and Jacob and uh, and the power of a blessing and what that can what that can do for someone's life too, right? So um, no, that's that's great. Just to clarify because I think it's an important distinction for people that if someone does have a physical ailment of some sort, Jesse, they can still ask for prayer, right? But maybe the disposition of people if they go to say a, a prayer meeting is is it just hands folded at prayer? Uh, is that still acceptable or permissible?
1: Okay. Um, here's what, here's the way I tell people: all of us are called to do intercessory prayer to pray for another person. Everybody can do that, but again, there are there are postures that are proper to the lay state and po- postures that are not proper. For example, for example, there are some universal postures. If somebody gives you the middle finger. That's a universal pot. Everybody knows what that means. You could be white, black, Asian, Hispanic. That's universal. Everybody knows what that means. When somebody makes a sign of the cross before breakfast at a restaurant, everybody around there says, Oh, that's a Catholic. That's a universal posture where people know that's a Catholic family. That's a Catholic man right there. That just, he's praying before he's eating his meals. So, God recognizes these universal postures. The angels and demons recognize the, these universal postures. And so do people. The laying on of hands is a universal posture for patriarchs. So angels and demons who are all around us, when a demon sees a lay person raising their right hand over somebody, the demon says, oh, no. Here comes a patriarchal prayer with authority. And and patriarchal prayer, the right hand is a symbol of patriarchy and the symbol of I have lawful authority. Now, when the demon realizes that it was, you know, Grandma Jones who was raising her hands and praying like a priest, or it was, uh, again, uh, uh, you know, somebody who just had no authority to do so, the demons will retaliate if a person is it's misusing the tools of the church the raising of the right hand is a man's patriarchal authority there's no there's no basis in scripture for a woman laying her hands so what i tell women to do or other people that don't have authority like for example a, a woman a woman moms could lay their hands over, over their children based on the fourth commandment because that's their church the children in the house are mom's church, their domestic church, paragraphs 1656 and 1666 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Based on the fourth commandment, mom and dad, of course, but mom could also lay hands on her kids. When does that stop? When your kids leave your house, they're no longer under your juridical authority. You can't tell your 25-year-old kid that's married that has a couple of kids. Come over here. Get down on your knees. I'm going to put my hand over your head and pray for you. Say, Mom, I got my own house. <laughs> I'm the patriarch of my own house. I don't mind you saying a prayer for me, Mom, but I'm you know, i not under your authority no more. Once you leave the house, Mom and Dad's authority. It, like I, my, I got three kids that, that they're all married. They all have their own kids. I don't lay hands on their head. What I do for my house, I do pray for them every night. Uh, I, I I raise my hand wherever they live at. They, none of them live here. I raise my hand, symbolic because my wife lives with me, over her and my three children that have their own houses and families. And I'm raising my right hand over my house as well. And so the way I pray for my kids, I'm not ordering anything. You know, uh, the, the, the the prayer changes when they're out of the house. The way I pray for my kids, when they were here, when they were kids, I could say, I bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Notice what I just said. I bless you. Now that they're not living with me and they're married and they have their own families, what do I say at night? I raise my right hand over my wife and I I put the image of my three kids in my mind. And I say, may God bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Why do I say may god bless you and not i bless you? Cuz they're no longer under my domestic church. They no longer live under uh, around my four walls. They're their own family. They're adults now. They have their own uh their own family structure and construct. So now I pray when they were living here, I would pray in the imprecatory form. Imprecatory i i i. I bless you in the name of the father, son, and the holy spirit. Amen. And, and I now that they're gone, I say, I raise my right hand. I put their image in my mind. And I'm really raising my right hand over my house at this point, And my wife, who, lit, who obviously we're married. And I say, may the Lord bless you, Anita, Paul, Anne-Marie, and Joshua, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So when they leave the house, it goes to, you change from imprecatory prayer to deprecatory prayer, and ask God to do the blessing.
0: Oh, Fantastic. And thanks for that. That is a great distinction. And thanks for giving that example. That's perfect. And I think it's important for men to, if we want to be a beacon of light, uh, the light of Christ in our families, in our community, we really need to make sure we have that structure and discipline as we engage with the spiritual forces of our age, right, Jesse? So uh, what else can we do inside of our home to, to bring that grace to, to one's family? So when we have children at our house and then, you know, the other thing, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to hear when I hear from, Uh, you know, maybe some older gentlemen in our church that their, their kids have grown up and they've fallen away from the church. They've fallen away from practice, the practices of the sacraments and of prayer life. So, uh, I know that there's that difference that you already talked about a little bit, but what can men do to, uh, to, yeah, like I said, just bring the graces back to their families, whether their children are at home or if they're already moved away and they've fallen away from the church.
1: There's a couple of things we can do, uh, Like sometimes with my kids, I two of my boys are cops, so that they'll come over the house. And man, that I had a rough week at work. I need I need prayer. And so what I'll do, what I'll do, is I always have a Saint Benedict's medal. Okay, I always have one around my neck. Okay, and I have them all over the house. Saint Benedict's medal, miraculous medal. And so what I'll do to my sons or my daughter when they ask, Dad, I really need prayer. I'll grab a sacramental. And I'll touch them with the sacramental, their shoulder, their neck, their their heart. And because why? Because my sacramental is, is holy. It's blessed. And so remember, sacramentals confer grace. They confer actual grace. So when my kids had a rough week at, at work as a cop, hey, dad, can you just say a prayer for me, dad, before I go? Yeah, sure, son. Sit down. I put my St. Benedict's medal. On his neck, on his shoulder, on his heart. And then I'll pray in the in the deprecatories form, saying, You know, Lord, my son's having a hard time. Lord, I, I ask you to 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 bless him, Lord, and, and to keep him safe out there in the streets and and shine your face upon him and, and be gracious to him, Lord, and be kind to him. Give him an increase of faith, hope, and love as he's out there in police work, Lord, and bless him and his family and protect him in Jesus' name. Amen. So so notice the way. I pray for my son when they come, or my daughter when they come and ask me. I touch them with a blessed object, touch their heart, touch their neck, touch their shoulder, uh, and I'll pray for them in the deprecatory form. Why, why, why would I touch their shoulder? Because that—that's a position that generally, as Catholics, we're taught to do that in when uh, during the. Saturday Vigil Mass, when pe- the, the the Saturday uh, Holy Easter Mass, when people are being received into the Catholic Church and you're a sponsor, where is it liturgically that the church asks you to put your hand on the person that's being confirmed? You're right behind them. It's in the liturgy. It's right in the documents of the liturgy. It says, put your right hand on their shoulder and you're, and and it's the priest or the bishop that ra- that lays hands on his head and prays for the infilling of the for the coming of the holy spirit or strengthening of the holy spirit but you as a sponsor are called to put, to put what your hand on their shoulder even in the latin mass the pre 1965 mass if you look at the latin mass and see their holy saturday liturgy the re- sponsors are also called in the latin mass to place her hand on the confirmandi's shoulder. So it is okay to pray for somebody putting your hands on somebody's shoulder. Because that shows equality. Like a lot of guys come up to me at men's conference. Hey, bro, I'm a heroin addict man. I've been masturbating every day for two years now, man. I need help. I need help. Can you can you pray for me? Yeah, I want to show them brotherly brotherly love. So generally, what I do. I'll take off my St. Benedict's medal from or my miraculous medal, hold it in my hand. I touch their shoulder, just like on Holy Saturday night, touch their shoulder with that blessed object, and then I'll just pray in a deprecatory style. I'll just say, Lord Jesus Christ, my friend that I just met came up here. Uh, you died for his sins as well. He's a heroin addict, Lord. He's masturbating. He's struggling with sexual impurity. Lord, give him the grace, Lord to fight against this, uh, these this, these diabolical proclivities. These, his, give him the grace to fight against his concupiscence. Bless him, Lord, in, in, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, we can pray and should pray for other people. Just don't put your hands on their head. Put your hands on their shoulder like you do on Holy Saturday Mass. It's in the liturgy. The bishop puts his hands on their head, and the sponsor puts his hand on their shoulder
0: a lot of our listeners are, we're learning too. You know, just like you said, a lot of people just don't know, which is sad, right? You know, like they, they're well-intentioned, but they yeah. just don't know. They haven't been catechized in a way that they would know that this is what the church's teachings are. And the reason that the church puts up boundaries is because, well, the church loves us. They don't want us to fall into, into uh, spiritual peril. And I think I've heard you mention this on your shows before, is that, you know, demons are lawyers from hell, right? They know they know all the ins and outs of, of who has authority and who doesn't, right? So it's it's important that we follow what the church has laid out for us and those guidelines yeah, to he, keep us safe spiritually, right? There's
1: also, an, Yeah, that's a, absolutely true. And here's also another reason. There's a thing called demonic transference. Let's just say some guy comes up to you, you know, he looks kind of like a homeless person. He looks like he's been living on the streets, and you, and, uh, you know he's been living a hard life for the last couple of weeks, months, or years. And he says, uh, you know, he sees the cross around your neck, a crucifix, and he, hey, can you pray for me? Now, here's the problem. Yeah, sure, brother, I'll pray for you. What's your, what, what, what should I pray for? What, 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 what are your needs? So he tells you, can you pray for this? Now, if you're very quick and lay hands over him, let's just say that the person is diabolically afflicted, obsessed, oppressed, or possessed. What can happen? There's a thing called diabolical transference. Diabolical transference, it means that whatever spiritual junk that person is carrying, if that person has demons, a demon or demons, demonic transference can take place via skin-to-skin contact if the person is diabolically afflicted. This is why, again, unless, you know... uh, if a person is diabolically afflicted at some level, obsession, oppression, up until possession, by touching him, you can get demonic transference. And so the best thing to do is place a blessed object, a sacramental, on his shoulder, like we touch people, our confermandis at, at Holy Saturday Mass, Put a blessed object on his shoulder and you can pray for him. Prayers of intercession. Because the sacramental protects you from demonic transference because the sacramental is blessed and your hands are not. My hands aren't blessed. I don't know about yours. Oh, Or you can have him. You can have him hold the sacramental in his hands. That's what I do sometimes. You know, prostitutes, pimps, people, gang members, people that ask me to pray for them, I'll say, "Come over here." I'll take out. I get a. I got a big crucifix around my neck. I'll take it off, and I'll give it to them. Here's what I. Here's what I wear around my neck. Let me. Oh, oh you can't see it. It's, it's just. Yeah, we're not on video. I got a big same that's crucifix that I wear around my neck, so I'll put it on the person's hands, and I'll say, "Okay, gaze upon Jesus right now." On that crucif- Just gaze upon him. And I'm going to pray for you. And as I'm praying for you, you know, intercessory prayers, I want you just to look at Jesus and tell Jesus over and over again, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. So I'll, ha- I'll have the person that's diabolically afflicted, the heroin addict or whatever, the gang member, look at the crucifix. And just repeat over and over as he's gazing on the crucifix and say, Jesus, I trust in you as I do an intercessory prayer. One of my favorite intercessory prayers for everybody is the Anime Christi. So I'll say, so what's your name? He'll say, my name's uh, name's Mickey. Mickey, I say, all right, Mickey. I've been slamming heroin for 20 years. I'm a gang member. I'm in and out of prison. I say, okay, I take out my crucifix. I said, look at Jesus and tell him over and over, Jesus, I trust in you. Say it softly. So I'll have him start doing that. And then what I'll say, I'll do the anima Christi. But I'll I'll, I'll insert his name in there. I'll say, soul of Christ, sanctify Mickey. Body of Christ, save Mickey. Blood of Christ, inebriate Mickey. Water from the side of Christ, wash Mickey. Passion of Christ, strengthen Mickey. Oh, good Jesus here, Mickey. So I'll take the anima Christi, which is an old Catholic prayer, That's a deliverance prayer as well. It's it's, it's especially powerful against witches. I'll take that prayer. I'll just personalize it, and I'll say his name. As he's gazing upon the crucifix that is in my crucifix in his hands, and he's repeating over and over very quietly, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's beautiful. And and a great prayer to say right after receiving Holy Communion. Yeah, too. Exactly. Um, if and then, Anybody's got a, you know, those, those Pieta booklets, I really highly encourage everyone to just get one. It's, it's get a couple bucks, maybe a dollar. And there's so many great prayers in there. And then, prayer.
1: and then we'll have them do after I'll take them through a prayer of repentance, you know, a, mm-hmm. a prayer of repentance, repent, rebuke, and renounce. I'll say, okay, make it repeat after me. Okay, It's, 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 it's the R, R, R. Repent, renounce, and rebuke. So I'll say, okay, Mm -hmm. repeat after me, Mickey. You know, uh, I, Mickey, and he'll say, I, Mickey, uh, repent of my sins of being a heroin addict. I renounce this evil spirit of heroin addict and drug addiction, and I rebuke this evil spirit of heroin addict and, and drug addiction in Jesus' name. Go to the foot of the cross that Jesus Christ may do with you as he wills. Mother Mary... Crush this infernal spirit under your immaculate feet. So I'll, I'll mm. end that prayer. In other words, I teach them how to pray for themselves. Mm. It's, it's, it's it's the old, what are you going to do with a hungry person? Are you going to give them a fish every yes. time you see them? Or are you going to teach them how to fish? I teach people that come up to me and ask me to pray for them. I teach them how to pray for themselves. It's R-R-R. You need to, when, when that temptation comes to your mind, when that temptation, te- temptation triggers your passions, you got to R, R, R. You got to repent. You got to renounce that, that evil spirit and that sin, that vice, and you got to rena- rebuke it in Jesus name and send it away from you to the foot of the cross. R, R, R.
0: So Jesse, you're saying you, uh, you don't uh, leave people where they're at. You actually take them out of their sin and lead them to Jesus Christ, right? The reason I say that is is, isn't our church, like we're getting into this sort of, um, I don't know, it's like an echo chamber of we're going to accompany people. You know, like we're going to basically affirm people in their sin and not take them out. And, and look throughout the Gospels, right, Jesse? We see Jesus healing people. Uh, forgiving them, but he always says, "Go and sin no more, you know he doesn't just you know pat them on the back and say, You're okay here. He takes them out because he loves us so much, right He loves his people <laughs> that's so important that we do that part, don't we, Jesse? We just hey, can't leave bad. people where they're at in their sin yes yeah. so so now what do we do? I mean this is the kind of church that we, unfortunately i shouldn't say it's it's everybody's like that. I think there is this there's kind of a grassroots groundswell of, of faithful Catholics that know that there's something not right in the world right now and, and us accepting and, and kind of losing ground in the spiritual battle, right? Jesse, we see that we're, we're ceding ground, unfortunately, but, uh, what are some ways that, that we can evangelize now? Um, I, I always say that we shouldn't pray for, uh, to do those things to evangelize. We should pray for the opportunities to do, to, to recognize the opportunity to do it. Because throughout the day, there's a lot of opportunities to do it. And if we do a, um, just a, a quick examination of conscience at the end of every one of our days, we'll we'll find the Holy Spirit's going to show us the times that we were supposed to do something, right? But what are the best ways? I mean, you talk about praying with people. I think that's beautiful, just bringing them to to a repentance, renouncement, and then bringing them to the cross of Christ and saying, you know, go and sin no more. But what are some other ways that we can do that now?
1: Some other ways, like uh, here in, in the U.S., there's a very vibrant apostolate called the St. Paul Street St. Paul Street Evangelization, it's all over the United okay. States. And I'm uh, mm-hmm. part of it. Is uh, you know, lay Catholics, you know, generally men, we go out, we go out, you know, uh, you know, once or twice a month, out in public, wherever whatever city you live in, set up a table in the mall in the public square, take rosaries, pamphlets, take uh, you know, prayer cards, and just share share and evangelize with people in a mall or in a public square. And say, hey, we're Catholic. We want to give you a free prayer card. God bless you. Jesus loves you. Uh, mm. You get in some incredible conversations with people that are people that are ex Catholics, fallen away Catholics, people that are searching. So that's one good way. Is I would say uh, take a look at Saint Paul uh, Saint Paul Street Evangelization Ministry. It's it, they're all over the U.S. There's chapters all over the U.S. And that would be a good thing to bring into Canada as well. Mm. Uh,
0: the Amen. Next, I've never even heard of that, Jesse, so thanks for letting us know about that. You know, that's
1: amazing. great. Yeah, the, the, you guys should you guys should have have that all over Canada. Uh hmm. Another thing is the best way to evangelize is obviously is uh when people see that you're a serious Catholic and they see that this person loves Jesus, this person walks the walk and talks the talk, that's attractive. That's what attracts mm-hmm. When you meet an authentic Christian and you say, man, this guy, this guy sold out for Christ. This guy doesn't compromise. That's attractive. So as a Catholic, we have to become as holy as possible. Uh, And and what I'm saying is right in the catechism, it it says in paragraph 828, the catechism says that in times of darkness, the church, uh, the church has its rebirth when people become saints. So, strive to become as holy as you can. Strive to become a saint. And I'm telling you, holy people make a difference. And people that are living in a state of mortal sin, people that are diabolically afflicted, people that are living wretched lives, they can tell when they're in the presence of a holy man or woman, and that has a big impact on them. Another thing, be a billboard for Jesus. I'm always wearing seven days a week. I always have some type of a Catholic t-shirt on. Like right now I'm wearing a t-shirt that says uh great. Stand up uh, uh stand up for the flag, kneel down for the cross. Hmm. And, and, and so uh, so when I go out in public today, you know, people will look at that t-shirt. I always wear a Saint Benedict's medal outside my my t-shirt. It's a big with a miraculous heart metal. As I'm walking through airports, I'll see people, they'll completely turn their head. They're mm-hmm. like, I'm walking and they're, they their eyes lock on my crucifix, which is about three inches big, and my miraculous metal, which is about an inch big. And they look and their heads completely dual 180 as they're following my chest. And I have mm. flight attendants say, Wow, that's so beautiful. They want to touch it. A- again, Wear t-shirts, wear sacramentals outside your shirt. And 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 it makes it a people, people are searching. And people, mm-hmm. their eyes, they lock in on things like that. Here's also another way to evangelize. Put things in your car that show that you're a follower of Christ. I got a nice Chevy truck. I got a big fish, uh fish emblem in the back of my truck. Okay. Uh my license plate. Is a Bible verse. So people always, they go, that's a Bible verse. I'm going to look it up. It says Jude 1, 3. Jude 1, <laughs> which is, you know, contend for the faith once and for all. Deli- so everybody that sees my truck, they go, that's a Bible verse. I'm going to look it up on my phone right now. And mm-hmm. as, that's the way of it. They, uh, uh, there's a big fish in my tailgate of my truck. Mm-hmm. There's a big, beautiful St. Benedict's rosary uh, hanging from my uh, from my, 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 my rear view mirror. Uh, and so... People, you know, they're driving by. They can see inside. They can see. And my rosary gets used every day. It's not decoration. I pray that rosary. Yes. I pray that rosary every day, the holy rosary and the divine mercy. So it's not a car decoration. Beautiful. It gets used every day. Again, so the, my wife has her license plate. It says mother of God in Latin, Mater Dei. People mm. to tell her, Anita, that's I know that's a, that's, that's a Latin prayer. She goes, yeah, it means mother of God, Mater Dei. So- Mm-hmm. Little things like in my front heart in my house, how do I evangelize? In my neighborhood, I'm around a bunch of Mormons and Protestants. I'm probably one of the only Catholics here, here in Phoenix, Arizona. Nice neighborhood, nice suburb. Um on both sides of my door, I have a four-foot statue of Jesus, the sacred heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. On the other side of my door, I have a, a four-foot statue of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. My neighbor, none of my neighbors are Catholics here. They all compliment me. They're all walking their dogs and they walk at night and they compliment me. They say, mm. that's so beautiful what you have there on your porch. You know, those mm. images are so beautiful. It's just, we've, I've had one neighbor told me, I feel safe at night seeing your images across the street. I, it gives wow. me a sense of safety. Yes. And see, so uh, those are the ways to evangelize. Uh, and also here's the last thing I would say. Ways to evangelize, make sure that your house looks like a Catholic home. Mm -hmm. When I was a cop and I used to take people to jail for domestic violence, I noticed that a lot of people whose houses I had to go into to separate mom and dad from killing each other and taking one to jail, usually the father, their houses had posters of like, you know, uh, centerfolds, Playboy centerfolds, Harley Davison's, uh, you know, Coors Light and Budweiser beer signs. I looked at a lot of these Catholic homes, and inside their houses, it looked like some pagan shrine. Buddha, the big old fat Buddha statue in the corner, uh, crystals in, in, in the living room table. Make sure your home looks like a Catholic home. Make sure it's full of blessed statues and blessed images. You know what happens here to, 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 with me? When I have people, sparklets guy, the pool guy, uh, you know, the guy that's going to fix my air conditioner, when I have these guys walk walk to my house, I've gotten this comment more than once. They've told me, "Wow, Jesse Romero, wow. There's something different about this house. I can feel something different about this house that I don't feel anywhere else." And I and I tell them, I'll tell the sparkless guy, I'll tell the fridge uh, air conditioning guy, I'll say, him, I'll say him, because this house I said, it's consecrated to Jesus Christ and Mary." I said, "This house, we're, we we pray over this house three times a day, me and my wife, and this house has been officially consecrated to the sacred I said, "That's what you feel when you walk in," and they all tell me. I've had guy, you know, electricians walk in there. They they stop, David. They stop and they look around the house. They go, "Whoa, something's different here." They can feel, as Saint Paul calls, the sweet aroma of Christ.
0: That's beautiful. It's What, what a beautiful example of, of just a practical example, Jesse, of how we can be a blessing to people just in our neighborhood if we live in town. If we live in a state of grace and we consecrate our, our house and our, our goods to Jesus, uh, it can bring a great deal of peace, of course, right into our own home and our own family, but also uh, it can go to, to our greater community too. Right. So that that's fantastic. I, I love that let, so much.
1: Let me share something else with you. In California, yes. I, I have to do this over here. I moved to Phoenix, Arizona. When i lived in in, in los angeles california uh, i had in my pool uh, in the backyard i had a tile guy put on the bottom of the pool with big letters jesus is lord on the bottom Mm -hmm. of my pool i got to do it here Mm -hmm. i got to do it i'm going to empty my pool i'm going to redo it here in my arizona pool (laughs) and i'll tell you why in california a lot of the the neighbor kids when my kids were small and they knew that that we had a pool that the romeros had a pool they would ask my, my son, my two sons and daughter, can we go swimming at your house? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I told my so I used it. I even started training my kids on how to evangelize when they were small. And I am saying, okay, mm-hmm. Paul and Marie Joshua, this pool is a Jesus pool. And mm-hmm. they look at me like they crinkle their nose, like, Dad, what's what's a Jesus pool? Our pool's a Jesus pool. Because we love Jesus. This pool belongs to them. Okay, Dad. See the bottom of the pool, those letters? Yeah, yeah, dad, we see that. Any kid you invite from the neighborhood to come and play uh, to to swim at the pool, with their parents' permission, that's fine. I said, but the the rule is, and you tell them that that's Dad's rule. If, to swim in the pool. They before they jump in or step in, they've got to say Jesus is Lord. They got to read it those words at the bottom, and they have to say it out loud. Yes. And so it's funny. I look out the window. I'd have ten kids. They're not Catholics, and they're different races, and they're all putting on their their shorts on, and they're all jumping in one at a time, and they're all saying, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. They, would, they said, hey, if that's what it takes to swim in your pool. We'll say it. We don't care. Again, most of these kids weren't Catholics, but I was making yeah. them pray by saying that just because I had uh. that in my pool. That's the way to evangelize. And they'd go home and tell their, their parents. Their parents to talk to me later on. Hey, Jesse Romero. How, hey, neighbor, how are you? He said, hey, that's kind of cute. My, my son came home and told me that at your house, uh, people have to say Jesus is Lord. And they go, we're okay with that. That, that's, that's, we're glad that you do that. That's, that's good. We're, we're, mm. we're, we're glad to have you as a neighbor. So I never got criticized for it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I think I think people would be really surprised, us fellow Catholics, of of how um, people are open to that kind of thing. But we're just so afraid to say anything or do anything that uh, we we choose not to be courageous, right? And right. and bold in our faith. And up here, Jesse, we don't have a lot of swimming pools in Canada, as you're sure you could probably imagine, but we have skating rinks, so maybe we can put that on our ice uh, when yes. we when we lay it down. That's there, a there <laughs> that's you a go. great idea. There you go. I want to talk really quickly about fallen away Catholics, and we know the statistics. Even the people that come to our own parishes, Jesse, right? We've seen that numbers are up to 70% of people that even show up on Sunday, which is already probably only 10% of Catholics, don't believe in the real presence of the Eucharist. And uh, boy, that that's so. Um, you know, I've I've heard you know even scandalous. It's a scandalous uh, thing for us as Catholics that more of us don't believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ. And I I kind of consider myself. Uh, even though I've gone to traditional Latin Mass, the Ordinariate, I'm sure you know, you're familiar with both of those. Of course, we have a lot of Ukrainian Catholics up in Alberta as well. So uh, the Eastern liturgy I've been to, and it's it's beautiful as well. And some Novus Ordo liturgies are fantastic. But I just, maybe generally speaking, I just want to ask you what your thoughts are on bringing reverence back to mass, whatever one that people go to, just to reach our Catholics, our brothers and sisters that are probably the easiest to evangelize, right, Jesse? Because we see them every Sunday, but we can, I don't know, and I don't, I don't, this isn't meant to sound judgmental, but you know how you can just make, you can see somebody and you have an impression of them, right, And, and their disposition, and, and I'm sure people make those same judgments with us too. That's why we have to be in a prayerful disposition when we go to Mass so that people know we're there to worship Jesus Christ, right? But what are some ways that, that we can reach out to those, those Catholics who do come to church? So, so the Holy Spirit is somehow drawing them in, but they're not engaged in their faith. They may not believe in the real presence of the Eucharist. They don't engage in confession regularly, but what can we do to encourage them to, to come back and really be on our team again?
1: Uh, this, this is why you know every Catholic parish should have a men's group so, a, a men's group so that they can get together men outside of mass and they can help catechize and evangelize each other. Uh, women should have also women's group where they're reading the Bible outside of mass getting together and they're evangelizing and catechizing some of the some of the stronger women can catechize the the, the, the neophytes the, the new women that are just coming in. And same with men. And, and a men's group should be based should be based on the, the Word of God. Gathering together, not to talk about each other's problems and woe is me and life sucks and, and we got a horrible prime minister. No, it should be to study the Word of God and to encourage each other, inspire each other, and equip each other. And so men's groups and women's, uh, I'm here in the Diocese of Phoenix. Every parish here has a men's group and a woman's group once a week that they meet to read the Bible. They, they gather together, pray the rosary, and they gather together to encourage each other. But it's all based mm-hmm. on Scripture. And this is this way people start becoming uh, 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 more aware of the beautiful teachings of the Catholic Church, that you can't get in a five- or ten-minute homily. You have to invest more time outside of the holy sacrifice of the Mass to learn the doctrines of the faith. Uh, luckily, there, there's also on YouTube you got some really good things like Father Mike Sh- Mike Schmidt one year through the catechism uh you could do this for the privacy of your home you and your wife and your kids your family your neighbor a neighbor or two you also have Father Mike Sh- Schmidt one year through the through the, the bible one year through the catechism so there are tools out there for people that want to know their faith at a deeper level uh it's just too many people they're they're so connected to the media that 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 they cannot disconnect from television and sports and uh Mm. and and entertainment and if they did learn to disconnect and and reconnect back to their faith uh this this is what it would take to get people intellectually well-formed and to become practicing catholics and go on the offense and evangelize
0: fantastic Last one free, and I want to talk about a, a really briefly about a quote from a great saint that only lived on this earth for 15 years, and that's Saint Dominic Savio. Uh, I believe he was at least one, at one time the youngest non martyred saint that we had in our church. And someone asked him, they said, you know, if, if the world were to end within the next hour, uh, what would you do? And he was asked this while he was playing soccer with his friends, and he just simply said, I just keep on playing soccer. And a uh, very profound, very short answer, but the meaning of that was that. St. Dominic Savio was living a life in a state of grace. And you mentioned there just, you know, the the culture that we live in, Jesse, with, you know, sports. And I, I'm a sports fan too, but uh, these are distractions. Also, you know, even in our own Catholic Church, if you go on, on YouTube, you can see these videos of, you know, the end is coming this month, the end is coming next month, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Pope is, uh, and the bishops have apostatized here and, you know, all kinds of distractions right. for us, right? Yep. But how important is it for us to put those distractions aside and live life in a state of grace so that we can have our bags packed, but really still be close to Jesus Christ. So we can be that beacon of light living in a state of grace to other people. You
1: know what? If, uh, if you knew that you're going to die tonight, uh, and if you're living in a state of grace, you shouldn't do anything differently. You, you should, mm-hmm. you would just continue to fulfill your duties according to your state in life. And whatever, whatever my duties call me to do as a Catholic layman, I'll continue to do even even if today's my last night here on planet Earth. The Christian life is very simple. Do your duty according to your state in life until your heart stops. So your judgment. And and really, what is your duty? you there are, well, we have to look at people, you know, they they try they overcomplicate life. They think like, I've got to go on a on a 30, 30 uh day retreat up in a mountaintop because I need to find out what the will of God is. I want to go to this uh, this this seminar because uh, I, I need to know what the will of God is. Everybody thinks that they need a mountaintop experience. I'll make it very simple. What the will of God is? There are three things. Okay, number one. God God wants to save you. Okay, First Timothy chapter two verse three. God wants to save your soul. That this is the will of God. Your salvation. Second thing. What is the second will of God? 1 Thessalonians 4 3, God wants to make you holy. Second will of God, God's will is to make you holy. Third will of God, 1 Thessalonians 5 16, God's will is that you pray without ceasing. So here it is New Testament theology. First will of God, God wants to save you. That's God's will to save you. So you got to cooperate in that, okay? Because it doesn't happen passively. You have, to, you have to open your heart to those graces. Number two, God wants to make you holy. That doesn't happen passively. You have to cooperate with that grace that God is giving you. And number three, God's will is that you pray without ceasing. Now, that's all on you right there, okay? Mm-hmm. That's an act of the will. Because, uh, you know, as St. Alphonsus Liguori says, a man who prays will be saved. A man who does not pray will be damned.
0: Jesse Romero, this has been an honor and a blessing to have you. Thank you very much. Can you tell our listeners maybe where they can find you? you got two shows a day, two radio shows. I mean, it's it's incredible that you, that you do it so well. I know you do with Terry Barber, who's been on our program before too. Uh, one of them, they do one on spiritual warfare, a lot of things we've already covered. But yeah, tell our listeners about those two programs and then maybe more about your website and how they can invite you to come to their parish.
1: Sure, yeah. Uh, Terry and Barber and myself, we started, we got kicked out of, all the major Catholic radio stations because mm-hmm. uh, of political correctness. So we started our own little radio network. It's an internet radio network called V Virgin Most Powerful Radio. It, the website is vmpr.org, vmpr.org. That's uh, Terry Barber. My, that's my our internet radio uh, station. Uh, you can I, I do two shows a day. Uh, so I'm, I'm, on, I'm podcasting two hours a day. And I'm also on different – there's different radio stations that pick me up around the country as well. Uh, And also, if you want to invite me to your your parish to go to a parish mission or buy some of the books that I've written, take a look at my website, jessyromero.com, jessyromero.com.
0: Well, there you have it, everyone. Jesse Romero, one of the great Catholic lay evangelists in the world today. So very blessed to have him. And a big thank you to Jesse as well. Again, go to his website, jessieromero.com. Also, two great podcasts that you should follow. They are on my podcast list every day, jesus nine one one and the Terry and Jesse show and all the great work that Virgin Most Powerful Radio is doing. Big thank you to those guys and a big thank you to Terry Barber for following the call from God to start this uh, this great internet radio station. So uh, follow those podcasts up here in Canada. We don't get the radio, but we do get the podcast still. Thank goodness, at least for now anyways, keep praying for us here up here in Canada that we can keep hearing the, the gospel in such a powerful way from people like Jesse Romero. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. So yeah, episode number 100 of the Catholic Connect Podcast. And uh, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. Uh, It means so much to me. It's so humbling to hear from so many of you um, people from around the world. This church is amazing. It's uh, a great gift that uh, it just keeps on giving. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've given to us in this church. And thank you for giving us brothers and sisters to journey with, and it's uh, it's been a great ride with you. When we started this podcast about three years ago, we were just getting into the uh, the depths of this crazy virus that uh, that plagued our world, uh, not only physically but mostly spiritually. And in the last three years, we've done a lot to chronicle that and and this um, this downward spiral. I feel of faith in this world, but yet a lot of hope in the church. Um, for the places that we are lacking, and there are so many places that we are lacking in the church, especially when it came to responding to the spiritual needs of our people. Well, I found that the individual light of people and Catholics and people of goodwill has shone even brighter. And I'm asking you to continue to do that. I'm, I'm praying for you that you'll continue to do that in this world, to be that light of Jesus Christ, to live a life in a state of grace so we, we can be an example to others in the world and also acknowledging that we have a lot of non-Catholic listeners and a lot of non-Catholic people of goodwill in this world that are on a journey themselves so that we can we can journey together and I know I've been very humbled in the last couple of years by sometimes being very judgmental towards non-Catholics but then finding out that they're actually pretty close allies because really anybody that's seeking for the truth is seeking Jesus Christ and I know there's a lot of people out there that are seeking for the truth right now And I know in my heart, the truth is Jesus Christ in the church, particularly in the sacrament of the Eucharist. And I hope that through this podcast and through my example away from this podcast as well, you know, just keep praying for me and I pray for all Catholics that we can be that example to all who seek for the truth. And I hope that in the future, more of our podcast episodes will go to expose the truth to to, uh, tell it to you like it really is. And I think that's what the Lord wants us to to hear. He wants us to, um, to hear from us, from Catholics and believers, for the way the world really is. What is the truth? Well, it is Jesus Christ. We've got to expose falsehoods and the darkness of this world. And it's not easy. It's going to take a lot of courage. and It's going to take a lot of virtue. But let's take that journey together. And I'm really excited to take it with you. So thanks to all the great guests that we've had over the years i I hesitate to say names but i do want to mention a few people for sure robert leblanc from the pints and pews podcast what a great uh, brother in christ he's been for us over all these years uh, making many guest appearances and just being a great supporter of our podcast Uh, robert i've seen it from uh, all the way out here in alberta i see that your example in ontario is uh, so good and so authentic, thank you very much for the support that you've given and I uh, can't wait to to chat with you again soon and and share our conversation with our audience. And I've been just so blessed over the years to have so many just great voices in the Catholic Church as well when I think of uh, you know Charles Colomb, David L. Gray, of course the the crew from Virgin most Powerful Radio we've had uh, you know Rubenava, Jesse Romero of course today, Terry Barber earlier this year. Um, we've had great voices of apologetics like William Albrecht, uh, uh, Ken Litchfield, uh, one of my favorites, uh, Ken, and again, just a, a lunch bale, blue-collar apologetics guy that uh, really loves the Lord and, and goes to work and, and does his thing every day, but takes the time in, in his personal schedule to to learn more about the face so he can share it with other people. What a great example, because that's where most of us are. We are working a secular job every day, but we We need to find that time to learn our faith and to share it. And Ken's always been a great example, of course. And uh, Alan Smith and his great apostolate with Archbishop Sheen and uh, working towards his canonization. And we sure need a lot more of the Venerable Archbishop Sheen in our lives. So, so many great voices. Again, I hesitate to say these names, but uh, they do mean a lot to me. And of course, I want to also mention that a couple of parish priests, uh, Father Carlos Nunez and Father Chris Schmidt, uh, that have meant a lot to me in my personal journey and uh, heard a lot of my confessions and uh, have been so uh, generous in coming on to the podcast to share uh, the love for the rosary, love for the sacraments, particularly of confession, which is really central to this podcast, is living life in a state of grace. And I've been uh, just so uh, blessed to to share some conversations I've had with them. And also I want to make sure I thank my children and my wife, who for many years have encouraged me to continue to do this podcast, even when it hasn't been very easy for me sometimes to uh, to find the time, mostly to do this, especially doing the editing and things like that. So I really appreciate the support from my family and especially their prayers and keeping me accountable to following what God's will is for me in my life. And of course, I got to thank you, the listener, because uh, without you, this would be, uh, well, I mean, I'd just be speaking into a microphone and and, uh, and and nobody responding back or communicating back would be a little bit sad. And I um, I'm just so blessed to to hear from so many of you over all these years. I'm I'm so so very grateful and so thankful. Central to this podcast is to live life in a state of grace. And I hope that this never comes as too pushy, but I know it's a very urgent message. And I always want you to, if nothing else, from the the topics that we cover or the guests that we have on. If you walk away with this in the back of your mind and in the front of your heart, then I think we've all won as a church. We're all, um, all going to claim a, a big victory. And that is to go to confession at least three times every year. Every Lent, every Advent, and anytime you're in a state of mortal sin, don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. Chat with you soon.